Hey everyone, uh, welcome to another episode of Sour and Sass. I am very excited to be joined today by the VP of Marketing at Capacity, Justin Schmidt. Welcome to the show, Justin. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are you doing, man? Enjoying yourself? You know, I am loving it right now. It's 72 degrees and sunny here in St. Louis. I got this office built for 100-something people all to myself, basically. And <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're having a good time today. I love that. I love that. I had a, I had 12,000 square feet in Austin with like three people in it for a minute. So I was the same. I was like, this makes crazy no sense, but it's the world we're living in. Yep. Midwest spring is the best weather, is it not? Like right now, this is like the best it gets, right? Yeah, you get like, like 15, 16 good days a year. Otherwise, it's too hot or too cold. Um, and this is this is one of those. So we're going to we'll have lunch on a patio after this and short. Be a good day. Living yeah. life. I love it. Well, let's dive into this. I'm looking at capacity, kind of looking at your strategy. Mm -hmm. You've gone all in on guides and you've done it, in my opinion, like really well from a layout standpoint. It, it's not it's all discoverable on a search engine. You still could obviously turn it into a sales enablement asset via PDF. Mm -hmm. You've got A to E, F to Z. You've got a ton of them. What's your hypothesis? Like, why yeah. have you gone so far in on guides? It's a good question. So, a couple things. One, like, it, it's one of those tried and true sort of B2B SaaS SEO strategies. Yeah. And, like, it works. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we've, we, we wanted to kind of do something as a, so, so capacity is a platform. It's a, it's a, wide-ranging product that can do a lot of things it's a powerful platform it's a it's a big to do right yeah. and as such i wanted to as quickly as possible start to establish some sort of moat from an seo perspective in the various like places that we play yeah. and like guides are the way to do this and i think in addition to guides the other thing that we have done that i'm seeing a lot of um B2B companies do as well. And this is something that's near and dear to my heart, just given my previous life is Q&A. Yeah. Most, most uh, search, Google searches or questions. Most of the it, distinct URLs on those guide pages are questions. Yeah. Um, and I think like the strategy that, that we employed here was, was to really set the footprint Let's see what gets traction, what works, optimize where, where we're starting to see um, some early wins. And yeah. over time, um, really build out those things to be, to be the best version of what they can be. So it was kind of a land grab. Um, and then let's see what, what shows success. And then let's, let's, let's double down and optimize those. So I would say we're still in the latter part of the early stages of all that. So I, you know, I can, I, I know which of those guides do better than others, but we haven't really started to dig as deep as, as, as possible yet. I will say though, that one of the nice things about having something like Q and A on your site is it's very easy to like rapidly iterate on that stuff and they're cheap to produce, whether, you know, we're outsourcing the writing of it or I do it myself. It's, it's, it's pretty easy to, to scale that stuff up. No, a thousand percent. And, you know, I, I've done a lot with the glossary stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Right. The, 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 what is type content you can outsource without having thought leadership issues or opinion Correct. issues. And it does create a lot of scalability. Now, slight devil's advocate. I've had a hard time sometimes connecting the, what is how to why type 
questions mm-hmm. from MQL to revenue. So how are you finding like you get it from that initial discovery? Because we're lacking that wonderful little thing we need called intent sometimes yeah. in that moment. Mm-hmm. So like, what does that look like more for you of like, get them in and then are you trying to retarget it? Are you trying to like, what, what is that like going from guide to revenue kind of thought process look like in your mind? Yeah. So the retargeting is obviously a, a big part of this. I mean, we were you know, chatting a little bit before we went live here that one of the things I have on my to-do list later today is to go in and tweak some custom audiences and stuff inside of yeah. LinkedIn and <clears throat> Facebook. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a good way to, you know, like stamp visitors and for, for retargeting. Um, the other thing that we're starting to do more and there's limited amount of this in split testing on the site now, but I kind of want to start leveraging our own platform on um, basically notifying users with our, our little chat widget when they're on particular pages. Yeah. And that's another thing that's that's interesting about uh, about the guide strategy because you are getting people in, you know, a sort of top funnel research type type uh, mode. But if you can maybe engage them with a um, AI chat or an experience, or essentially experience of some sort to pull them through, then then that's definitely something worth exploring. I I hundred percent agree. I think there's some kind of like workable. I use as a good example of HR toolkit, but they're doing this top of funnel stuff they're doing it more of a jobs to be done than a questions to be asked. Mm-hmm. And so like workable, let's say they focus on this like HR manager, right? Mm-hmm. And then instead of just saying like, what is an HR manager? What they're doing is they're saying, what are the pain points an HR manager has? And they have like a thousand job descriptions. Right. So every type of job description exists. And then they're an ATS platform. So you can they have the job description and then you can publish that job description directly to their platform. So it almost connects the top of funnel to the bottom with this in-between of like product-like growth. So sounds like you're trying to do something very similar. Um, when I looked at your strategy, you mm-hmm. have these product lines. Do you have a platform that ties them all together? Do you try to keep the product separate? What's your methodology between like, cause if we live in this world right now, if you look at like the gongs and the drifts, right? It goes like category creation, platform products within platform that's kind of like the methodology of a lot of SaaS right now mm-hmm. and you all are doing i think a really good job on at the product level do you want to go to a platform do you want uh, to create a category do you think that's wrong like what's your I, I want like what's your thought here no you are so you could tell you do this for a living um, oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's exactly what you know we're we're doing and one of the things that we have just recently kind of finished as a team and we're going to start rolling out onto the site and into our collateral in the next couple of weeks is exactly the, I don't want to say transition to a platform, but the maturation, at least from a messaging perspective to platform. No, right? it seems a gap or anything, but I was just curious. Cause I was like looking at it. I'm like, hey, how are we talking? No, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. The, the, it's very funny. The exact process we're going through. So the, the, from a category creation perspective, we are wanting to establish a beachhead and own the concept of support automation. Awesome. And in, in my view, support automation, and I shouldn't say my view, capacities view, support automation is the platform that enables either customer support or employee support teams to automate the processes inside of, of, of support, right? So yeah. whereas a chat bot and a help desk may be two separate products and to, you know, let's say you have, I don't know, intercom and, and Zendesk, right? I'm not going to, yeah. um, 
offend anybody mentioning mentioning the two market leaders in, in a particular category, but like those are two separate products that if you are trying to automate support within your business, you may have both of those in your tech stack, but you may be using, I don't know, 40% of the of the feature set of intercom and 35% of the feature set of, of Zendesk. Whereas we're saying, let's build a platform where the, the chatbot and the help desk are inextricably linked. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, from a larger platform play, much like, uh, you know, Adobe Creative Suite or, or HubSpot or any of these, any of these guys have done Microsoft, right? Windows, iOS, where you've done this really good job of building this platform with these apps on top of it. Yeah. That are all sort of built to connect to each other. Um, and you're kind of reimagining the concept of what a particular app inside of a platform stack is in yeah. order to broader serve the concept of a platform. Yeah. Um, that's the process we're going through right now. So the, um, what's the, what's the word to use? The, the inventory of the, um, uh, uh, and the, and the sort of like, like categorization of the platform features inside of product lines, help desk workflows, um, knowledge base. Yeah, like right. if you are to visit the site a few weeks from now, you'll see that presented slightly differently and in a way that, that coalesces around the platform concept, I think a I little, a little more strongly. Yeah. I love that. I want to follow up with that too and check that out in a couple of weeks because it's like, you're totally right. Like Zendesk is help desk is like, Oh, we have a chat and right. And intercom's a chat that focuses on like backend chat compared to drift mm-hmm. is like front end chat. Mm-hmm. And then intercom's like, Oh, but we have the FAQ. Right. And then, but it's both like afterthoughts, it feels like to a certain extent. And it's cool that you've recognized that because uh, I've gone through like purchasing for both of those products at some point. Um, mm-hmm. You do something a lot of SaaS companies are afraid of. You've got alternative and competitor pages baked right into the darn layout, like right into your website, right from the start. Mm-hmm. How'd you get internal buy-in on that? <laughs> So one of the things I love about working at startups is that you can sort of cut through the the BS fairly quickly and fairly swiftly with a lot of this kind of stuff. So when you look at it, like, uh, let, me, let me back up. Capacity is a, we're an enterprise product selling to enterprise customers. And as such, like, we have in the sales process that the relationship building and the and the uh, consultation type approach that happens and that allows you some some bandwidth to to like really fit the solution to the particular customer's needs, right? Yeah. So as such, like I think you can you have a little bit of bandwidth to to move. You have bandwidth to be able to present like smaller views of of what you're doing. I think a little quicker because it's not the whole picture, right? Like yeah. um, Calendly and um, you know HubSpot's meeting Booker are basically the same thing. So if you're going to do a comparison between those two, you're you're sort of comparing 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 100% of one with 100% of the other. Yeah. So for us to say, hey, let's do a comparison page on live person, just throw yeah. that out there. Um, like feature for feature, you know, it, when you get the entire matrix of features that someone like live person or capacity can offer, like they're going to have more than we are. But again, going back to that 
that platform approach where our live chat is built specifically to fit within our larger platform and specifically that platform is specifically designed to solve the business challenges of, of the customer. Um, it allows us, I think, just a little more like leeway to, to just snipe off a bunch of these things, establish the beachhead from an SEO perspective early. And then, yep. you know, over time I can yank one of those pages out and redirect it to a category level um, comparison if I need to, or easily add another one. So as a really long winded way of saying that, like when you look at the, when you look at B2B SEO, yeah. And this, at least this is, this is my, one of my thesis theses is you have comparison, you have sort of guide FAQ and then like your actual like product brochure feature pages, like you don't typically get a lot of traffic on those. So what's the harm in establishing um, uh, some, some, some SERP share in, in competitive and competitive spaces? No, I love that, Justin. I mean, I, I have a very similar methodology around, I call it share a SERP or brand discoverability, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, before I finish that sentence, though, it is sour and sass. So I'm going to have one of these. And you're going to pretend with me. Are you ready? I am going to pretend with you. Yeah, I have had I, I have had these before, though, so I can I could probably fake it well. <laughs> yeah, the first one, you know, okay. It's the second one that gets you, but the first one's bad. Go ahead. Now, your blog talks a lot about yourself. Why? Blog talks a lot about ourse ourselves. Why? When you say our ourself, myself, what do you, what do you, what, yeah. double click on that. I got you. So I'm going to read the headlines. Promoting yep. within Dan Dyer. Oh. We asked yeah, our yeah, yeah. member, Dan yep. Dyer, and then it goes, hidden talents at capacity. Yep. Team member shout out. Meet the yep. new faces. Meet Jeremy Frank. Right? So that's kind of what I'm referring to. Got it. Why? Yeah. So what's your, what's your, what's your game plan? Yeah, this is this is real straightforward and simple. In a in a post pandemic, you know, as Scott Galloway calls it like great dispersion, you know, we've got remote first companies sprouting up all over the place and, and the talent pool widening such as it is. Um, we want to do two things. One, from a recruiting perspective, it's good to have this type of content out there because it's just clearly, you know, just outside looking in, it's like, hey, capacity cares about their, their employees. Yeah. So in a world where we're competing for talent with companies much larger than we are, um, anything that we can do to show some of the culture that we work so hard to build here is, is it's easy to do, right? It's um, a buffer play, right? It's kind of a the bus buffer playbook, right? Small mm -hmm. company competing with big players like Hootsuite. We're going to highlight our culture and then make yep. our brand a reason why you choose us from a humanity yes. standpoint, not yes. just. A, yeah. And just from a from a pure like tactical perspective, um, social media in B two B and specifically like what I would call um, less like like less super visible B2B. So yep. um, great example of this, like ServiceNow, massive, massive, massive company. Um, yep. I think something like 7,000 customers or something like that. You know, they're public 18 billion revenue. They're, they're, they're massive. Yeah. But like HubSpot has 30 or 40,000 customers, whatever it is. It's much more of a, like, 
it's the the reach is just much broader despite the right. fact that you know from a bunch of small offering yeah it's just, it's a different got, sort of thing yeah. right so right. so in a world where um you know we we play more in the higher acv um space that's that's we don't necessarily have the mind share yet where like i can purely from a thought leadership or or um just typical social, you know, like a, like a brand being able to carry uh, reach on social. What I found is that when you include people in your stories on LinkedIn, they get shared a hell of a lot more. They get, there's a lot more interaction there. So in a world where I want to build engagement on a, on social people are the best way to sort of do that. Um, So and and these these things are also sort of cheap to make, right? Because yeah. we can do them internally. It's 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 it, so it's intrinsically good because we do have a great culture here. Yeah, people such as Dan Dyer deserve every ounce of of, of praise he gets. Um, excuse me, but there's also like a lot of value to putting faces on things rather than just like you know you scroll through LinkedIn. It's like oh here's another. Forrester report that you guys sniff like it's it's like you know okay like what else you know what what, what else yeah. can we do to try to like highlight what makes this business special and it's the people i love that no it's a good answer and i want to just ask a direct question i think it goes to my next one that's a little unique about some of the stuff you're doing ceo letter why mm. right i go to yeah. customers i want to see all your damn logos but i get the ceo letter and it shocked me. I didn't, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's different. Like all I do for a living, right? I, I, I do SaaS. Like all I do mm-hmm. for audit and look at every company. Why the, why the CEO letter? What does it do for you? Like what, what's your thought there? Yeah, it's a good question. So it's actually a really good question because you can make the argument. It's like, well, just put that as a blog post and, you know, it, it'll, it'll sort of run through its, its, it's useful life as an article or whatever. And then, you know, you forget about it. Um, that is what we do with most of our content. You chose not to. That's why I'm like, this is unique. Mm-hmm, That's what's mm-hmm. cool. it's humanizing. It's very human throughout. Yeah. So you, you kind of maybe subliminally said it there is it's humanizing, right? We are an AI company. We talk about the concept of support automation, like these are all things that you, you know, if you read any of like Kevin Roos, um, uh, the stuff he's done recently on, on AI and, and how it impacts sort of white collar slash knowledge workers. Like you don't, you, I don't want people who come to capacity thinking like, Oh, my boss just bought this and now this is going to replace me. Right. So, so you want to humanize the brand as, as much as you can. And given again, that we're a startup um, competing against like, you know, ServiceNow or UiPath or Microsoft or whatever it is. Guys, yeah. yeah, like at at our scale, I think a even a even an attempt to just sort of like humanize, like, hey, this, here's the point of view of the CEO on like what we're trying to do, what we're trying to to, to create. Like, if that gives us even like a one percent more. Um, yeah. Uh, likelihood to close a deal, then then it's it's free real estate to put on a on a on a header and a website. Um, as we grow, would that still be there? 
uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe could, could we maybe incorporate some of that into, um, better customer stories and, and, and like weave that through, um, absolutely. Um, but yeah, this was, this was something that David actually wanted to do himself. And, and when he sort of showed me the draft of, because I, I, like we didn't write, he wrote that. So it is yeah, a yeah. letter from the CEO when, when, when he showed me that, I was like, yeah, this actually makes a ton of sense. Um, I love it. Just, you know, like I write a quarterly letter to our customers via email and I email them a quarterly letter of like an update. Like here's what directives working on. Like here's the roles we've hired. Here's because mm -hmm. we, we're not a cheap company. Like we are not that provider. So like, here's how we're investing back in our business. And I always say like, here's how we're keeping our soul. Cause once your agency crosses a certain threshold and you start becoming a big agency, you call it's very easy to lose your soul. In right. other words, your EBITDA becomes more important than the product your customer experiences. Right. And that's what happens at UiPath and Microsoft and the rest of them to a certain extent is they almost lose their soul when they get to a certain size. And I can feel like you guys trying to keep your soul, if that makes sense, to a certain extent and like yeah. connecting to your customers. Now, yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the, the mission statement here, and it's on the wall over there, um, <laughs> is, is helping teams do their best work. And like, you know, we, we mean that and it's just in the product meeting I had this morning that I rushed here. To, was why I forgot the damn candy. Um, <laughs> I will publicly live to everybody. I forgot the candy. I fucked up. I'm sorry. Um, but no, the uh, it's it, like th this is the 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 care and the sort of humanization and the like. Let's look like we really do want our customers to do their best work. Like that is something we honest to God believe. And yeah, it's just it's like you know why not? Let's put it up there, right? Yeah, no, I love that. Now I'm gonna do one more candy. I call yep. this the kicker. Yeah. Now I didn't maybe have enough time to perfect this, but it looks like you have your roots in the mortgage space. We have, yeah, one of the early success, early pockets of success we've had is in sure. is in mortgage. So, so we've got a we got a good number of logos in that space. Why not stay in the space? Honest question. Your own yeah. guys are so big. Why'd you guys get out? So that was my thing. My whole question is: you have roots in mortgage, it appears. Why mm -hmm. not niche? Yeah, great question. So it's funny, this actually came up. Um, this actually came up on a call I was on yesterday, as a matter of fact, with um, um, uh, an, a, another potential partner of ours. And when you have horizontal um, platforms, yeah. when you have a purely horizontal play, you go to market in sort of verticalized um, yeah. slices of it. And you kind of establish some sort of White House account or two, yeah. and then you spin up a go-to-market to try to go get, you know, the end, end plus whatever. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and mortgage just happened to fit a lot of the things that make for a good support automation use case. That's a lot of paperwork, right? Yep. right? Like you got a lot of OCR and IDP you can do. Um, there's a lot of regulations. So the loan officers can need to, ask questions and you know is, is the xyz um you could be yeah. the first software for many of them so you don't have as much switching costs exactly exactly dated, kind of like a banking industry or something like exactly. that. exactly right? it's not like it's not like um you know selling marketing automation tools or something where it's an extremely 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 like well-defined thing and you know just would you talk to somebody about hubspot like or they've they know intimately 
what Marketo and Active Campaign and you know Pardot and the rest of them are yeah. ex ex exactly. So so it, it it just made for a good um, initial pocket of success, yeah. and we've we've we're starting to figure out the go to market and other vertical like so education for example higher ed is is something that we're that we're we're having some success in and then from like a team in like a like if you if you categorize it by department hr and and internal and and, and just internal support and customer support are, are other ones so to answer your question like the reason would not just stay in mortgage because the, the the vision was never to build a mortgage solution um but the 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 mortgage industry we feel we can offer a lot of value there and and our our, our customer roster is a is a good um, proof point of that yeah so it's it it makes a lot of sense to we've really honed a lot of the verticalization the verticalization of our go to market approach has really been honed there um, but it's a it's a it's a fair question but I mean I, I, the reason I ask is like I do this thing uh -huh. where I have a B2B agency and then I'm like enterprise but I couldn't get any of them to hit. And then I chose SaaS and it just like took yeah. off because it created this focus, right? It created focus on my content strategy, came focus mm -hmm. on my persona. And I do this stuff for Easy Vista. I do this stuff for Process Street. Like I like every one of your competitors, I feel like is a client of ours or filling out our form. Mm -hmm. So like I know the kind of verticals and spaces you're playing into a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was curious of like how like yeah, it's just hard to grow sometimes without that niche. And I also was curious, like when you guys had so much success, why you guys didn't choose to stay in it. And I love hearing people's thought process. because I think there's a very valid reason what you're communicating. I'm not saying it's wrong at all. It's more like, I like to hear how people think about it. Cause I think that's the stuff that we're all trying to figure out, Justin. Like mm -hmm. that's the stuff we're all trying to like, do I de-verticalize? Do I stay verticalized? Do I niche? Do I unniche? When do I do it? Could I ever be big enough if I don't like that? I feel like it's always these like questions we're trying yeah, it's it's funny. It's like the uh, this is one of those like business yoga yogi bear isms, but like there's two ways to make money, right? Either bundle or unbundle. Um, it's it's like no shit. Um, but but <laughs> with, with like verticalization, it's a it's a versus you know like the, yeah. versus like a horizontal approach. It's kind of the same thing. Um, you can think about it too. Like there's also ways to to like if you imagine like a a clock face, right and and mortgage is noon, right? Then um, insurance might be one, and financial services investing might be two, and then healthcare might be three, and then you know what I mean. Like you, you, yeah, you can, no, 100%. yeah. So like, there's, uh, we're early enough in this journey that like I think we have a lot of possibility ahead of us. But um, believe me, you're not the first person internally or externally to sort of bring that up, and it is an interesting question. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting to ask. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask someone who ran the publishing for answers.com a question. So around that, we all want to scale our content, especially when it works. And I don't know if any of us really do it that well outside of maybe HubSpot. Mm -hmm. And the only reason in the SaaS space, I feel like they can do it is because they're HubSpot. In other words, like because they're such a big brand, even like, no offense, HubSpot. I'd say a lot of your content is probably a B or a C, but you do so much of it, it doesn't really matter. And then your audience, you're marketing to, it doesn't need to be an A because their thought leadership is more equivalent to a B or C, so you're selling it well. Mm -hmm. They've just got this huge thing. But it's a short list of people who've been able to scale content. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining at Answers.com, you scaled content. So oh, why yeah. is it so hard oh, yeah. for SaaS to scale content? And what can we do to maybe overcome some of those challenges? What's the truth? Like, just give me the down and dirty 
scaling content. Why does it not work? What can we do different? Like, I'd love to hear you break it down. Yeah. That's a great question. So one of the advantages that um, B2C and publishing even more specifically has with, with scaling content, especially in the last, call it 10 years, is like the very obvious thing when you think about it, but that's the power of reach amplification on social media, right? Um, Interesting. Yeah. So uh, give you a perfect example, like it, it, it towards the answers we, you know, we started in, in search. It's actually funny. Like the, 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 the original company that, the, 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 that I worked for that ended up buying answers. Um, we had, we ran a bunch of microsites. I had Q and a and other sort of content and, you know, ad supported model and we bought answers. And like, I think is literally like a month later it was the Panda algorithm that, that hit. And I was just like, Oh my God. So, we are able to, to, to grow, grow through that. But part of the reason we were able to grow through that is that we, we you know, Facebook came online in, in a lot of ways, right? And we, we were able to transition from short form Q&A to long form articles and then social content. And that there was a financial incentive there the whole time and that like eyeballs were easy to get and all you had to get were the eyeballs, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, BuzzFeed, um, and, yeah, and by the way, I think like study, right of that Facebook all, one. Yeah. All SaaS marketers should should listen to Jonah Peretti whenever he speaks. I really really wow. feel this is the case. Just, well, just because he's there. There are few people who have like understood the psychology of why people click on things on the internet. Like he has HubSpot, or not HubSpot, Huffington Post, and then BuzzFeed. Like the the, the dude hit gold twice, and 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 BuzzFeed's gone through a lot of. You know, you think of like. Think of, you know, we didn't have, you know, top down videos of people making recipes on on social media until Tasty. Right. So, like, they, they've just done a very good job. But the, the, the point I'm making here is like with with speed to be the eyeball isn't the eyeball. Right. Like you don't I can't I can't go out and say, oh, I, if I can through an SEO or any sort of paid traffic or, or, or newsletter subscriptions, I, if my cost of acquiring a visit is four cents and I, and I have a, you know, a, a, an easy, yeah, you can't do like the CPM arbitrage where like, exactly can, you can't do it. Yeah. You can't do it. So, yeah. so, so you're, you're sort of immediately like all the different types of content that people actually want to click on and read is automatically out of bounds for you. Cause it's just, you know, it's, it, it just doesn't work. Secondly, the, just from an algorithm perspective, like niche content competing against broad general appeal content doesn't always like it, it's hard to sort of break through the noise of that. So like you just don't have a lot of the incentive to to really invest in it. So that then leaves B2B mark B2B companies with like, OK, well, like, w- let's create a content strategy. And I think you I think you clocked HubSpot perfectly in that like. They don't have to. They don't have to get, um, you know, Phil Schiller of Apple to like, 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 be impressed and 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 learn something new by reading an an, an article on the HubSpot blog. They just don't need to do it. But but you know, um, they need Mikey who's got twenty four hats on at his six person startup who wants exactly. to figure out a free sales CRM That's- which they happen to offer. So That's they can monetize exactly right. anyone. That's exactly right. Product. So, so, so cheaper content like that is just a lot. It's just a lot easier to scale that stuff. And, you know, when you when you do when you get the sort of early lead that they have on um, on things like it, it's 
it's it's just easy to sort of do. So I don't think the economic incentive is is immediately apparent for B2B companies. One. Two, the very nature of what content is, is is like, let's just be honest, it's a little more boring than like what the Washington Post or BuzzFeed or oh, yeah, you have this intrinsic thing, right? Of like the only person that anyone would want to hear from in your company doesn't write. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? The true people who have the real opinions in your space where someone would read it, like they don't write. Like, you know what I mean? Like the CEO wrote yeah. the letter, but he's not going to give you a weekly blog post, right? Where he has his right. like opinions of AI in the future and how it affects like help desks. You're not yeah. going to get this like, expose every week out of them, right? Like, it's, I think that's the other part too, is like the people who could say something, because you can't outsource opinions. You can't outsource thought leadership. No. I've tried for years and you no. come back with this thing that's good by all measurements of what good is, except it's soulless, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this, it's this thing that's grounded on someone else thinking about someone else's opinions mm-hmm. instead of like your own unique experiences that have formed an opinion, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. No, totally, totally. And and there's, there's a lot of, um, you, you have to provide, it's, it's interesting, right? Because in, in the publishing space, like you want impressions, you want, you want, long sessions, multiple page views. You want, you, you want to get your, 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 a deep content experience. Yeah. In B2B you do as well, but you don't have, it's much harder. It's much harder to create the hooks to get people from like the top 25% of, of a scroll to the middle 50% to the bottom 25. Like it's, it's just, it's just harder to do is what I'm getting at. And, and when you're, when your incentives aren't aligned to, to really try to scale it and it's harder to do, you end up with what I think a lot of B2B companies suffer from, which is a very like samey sort of thing. And um, I think, you know, what we're, what we're going to need to start doing just in uh, ourselves is like, I think we've done a good job, like, going wide enough to start us to see where the, the a little bit. yeah, but we are going to, we are going to need to just ourselves. We're going to start needing to get a little deeper and, and, and a little more um, uh, like put the value of that content a little more front and center as, as we mature. So it's, it's a hard, it's a hard problem. solve, man. Yeah. I'm kidding. I've been trying for years. And I, I like do, to, I do miss yeah. the luxury of being able to sort of like, create whatever the hell I wanted as long as people like clicked on it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and a lot of it can be UGC. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. There's massive scale. No. All right. Well, we are out of time, Justin. I want to, you know, honor that, but thank you so much for being on Sour and Sass. This has been amazing. Um, if people want to follow your journey, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, LinkedIn is, is a good place to um, get in touch with professional Justin Twitter on J at JTron nine K. If you'd, you see yeah. me like stuff that does not necessarily represent the views of capacity. Um, and then obviously, <laughs> obviously capacity.com for all your support automation needs. But um, this has been fun. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for being on the show. Uh, it's been awesome. And uh, that's Justin and that's Sour and Sass. Bye everybody.